0: From Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Podvocate. We're law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts, and join us every Saturday evening at 6 on WLUW 88.7 Chicago. For more information about this episode and our guests, please visit our website at thepodvocate.com and check out our social media pages. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us again at The Podvocate. I'm your host, Andy Vandenbush. Not every law student wants to be a lawyer. I can see how that sounds silly. Why spend all the time studying and money into a law degree when you do not see yourself working in a courtroom or counseling clients? This doesn't mean that a law degree in this sense is all for naught. Today, I get to sit down with Ryan Stillian, a compliance manager at a national mental health services chain. Ryan received his JD in 2014 and has a career based in healthcare compliance. We have a chance today to talk about how the worlds of compliance and law studies overlap, and ways in which that type of educational experience can be a boon on the daily work in the field. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Andy,
1: glad hi. to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate it. As you know, what I'm talking about today is just jumping into what, talking about legal adjacent careers. I think sometimes we're so focused on this idea that when we go to law school, we have to come out and be a lawyer and find ways that we can you know, advise people and be like in the courtroom and advocating and things like that. So I do think it's, it's nice when we see stuff and fields that are JD helpful versus like JD required. And so that's, that's kind of what's happening when we're, when we're talking about specifically like the compliance field, I guess, before we even like jump into what any of that stuff is, my question for you is what even brought you to law school first
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess we'll start at the um, start around college time. I was always a person who had a knack for uh, writing, research, uh, analysis, things like that. So I studied uh, political science and English lit. I was a pretty standard uh, liberal arts, uh, not exactly sure what I'm going to do, pre law student. And um, during my undergrad, I interned at a public defender's office as an investigative intern outside of DC, and uh, that was a really formative experience. And that really kind of got me hooked on, you know, the idea of going to law school, uh, getting to uh, interview witnesses and ruin people's day by serving subpoenas. And um, you know, I saw some amazing trial work, uh, much better than you you know could see on Law and Order, and. Uh, you know, I, I thought this is the the kind of thing I wanted to do. I at that time I you know wanted to be in the courtroom, and I was lucky enough to uh, you know work with criminal defense law and really wonderful lawyers. I even met the um, lawyer who represented the uh, the D.C. sniper case and got to hear some interesting um, stories around that representation. So you know that's you know how I got into this idea of going to law school and fortunately, I graduated right about the time we had a terrible recession, and I also had uh, really put off studying for my LSATs during undergrad, so I took a year off, and I earned my paralegal certificate, and worked as a bankruptcy paralegal, and um, did some insurance subrogation legal assisting uh, while I got my LSAT score up, Uh, took that year off, and then the recession was still going on, so I uh, went to uh, law school part time to um, spread out those costs, try to ride out some of the bad market opportunities, and uh, hopefully position myself so that I could, uh, you know, come out of on the other side with, um, you know, a good job. So I started law school in 2010, and I graduated 2014 from Capital University Law School in uh, Columbus, Ohio, which is. Uh, uh, Small boat. That's the the law school of my undergrad.
0: I did not know that you went part time. Did you prefer going to law school part time, or do you do you wish you would have done that straight through full time?
1: Uh, I think there are trade offs, uh, as with most things. And you know, in in a bad economy, uh, I was able to work. You know, uh, first full time as a paralegal, and then I was able to gain legal experience. Um, You know, I clerked a couple of years at a public defender's office in the felony unit. After that, I ended up um, clerking with uh, personal injury and medical malpractice lawyers. So this was my day job. So I was getting to do, you know, substantive legal work uh, as my day job while going, you know, to school in the evenings. And uh, as much as I, you know, my fourth year, (laughs) I wish I had completed it in three years, Uh, or, you know, there were times that uh, my work responsibilities definitely felt like they were pulling me away, Uh, you know, a couple courses, I'm sure that uh, maybe if I'd had more time to study during the day, could have gotten that, uh, you know, letter grade up. But um, overall, I don't really regret, you know, the way I structured it, because, you know, the economy did improve. And I did come out with great career experience that was, you know, able to uh, prepare me for the next step, which, for me actually turned out um, to, to getting a master's immediately after uh, taking my bar exam uh, in 2014, passing the Ohio bar and just going straight into a master's program a month later at uh, University of Michigan. So uh, not exactly a uh, very traditional uh, legal route, but uh, you know it's definitely been a journey
0: what is traditional anyway, right? As a, I will say I appreciate you as, a as a part time student myself. I think being part time provides you some perspective that you don't have because when you're in full time, it's like that gear blinders are up and you are literally just it is law school twenty four seven. And if I don't get at the top of the class, we we've got some we've got a problem. That's interesting. Um,
1: well, to go off that point, I, I will say that um, one thing I did enjoy about doing law school part-time is that um, I was in, you know, as a, you know, as a a young person, I was in, you know, all these law classes with folks that had real world experience, you know, here are folks that are, you know, executives or people looking for career transitions, you know, folks who've already started their families. They had uh, different, much different perspective than say like the traditional, Kind of, you know, three year day students who are, you know, maybe right out of undergrad or maybe just a couple of years of experience in the workforce. And, you know, at that time in my life, I would say I fit the profile of the day student more, but getting to work with those folks who had more career experience, more life experience, we definitely, uh, you know, paid off in dividends when you, you know, consider that we learn as much from you know, our classmates is is really, we do, you know, from the course subject matter most of the time.
0: I completely, I can echo that. I feel that is, I, I almost feel like that's, that's what's nice about, I almost want to say the the payment of extending your time a little bit is you get that, you kind of get the reward of the investment of like working with people that have working experience. And so that's, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and it also
1: spreads those student loans out a bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I'm even, when you when you were talking about how it was in a recession and you graduated and you were hoping that you could position yourself favorably, and here we are again, I graduate in 2024 and we are, there we are again. So, so you went, you went to law school, you got the the legal education, you went and got your master's, then what brought you into compliance and the compliance field?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, in law school, I I knew I wanted to go from criminal defense law to healthcare. Uh, basically, you know, after a few years of working a public defender's office, I I didn't have a lot of the constitution for it. Yeah, you know, and, and more than anything, I, uh, you know, even on my best days when, you know, I'd written motions that, you know, got people out of, you know, incarceration, uh, just, the system and, uh, some of the, you know, my own personal views on the injustices, it was very difficult day to day to, to go in and know, you know, sometimes it felt like you're fighting a losing battle. And so I have nothing but respect for all those folks, but it was really taxing on me personally. And, uh, I wanted to get into a different environment. Um, at the time, the affordable care act, there was lots of conversation around, you know, the implementation and, uh, there was lots of, news around health reform. And um, I thought, well, this could be a great field. So I ended up doing three different externships during law school, one with a health policy organization, uh, one with a nonprofit advocacy organization for Ohio's hospitals, and then the other with the Children's Hospital and uh, under their legal counsel. And that Children's Hospital legal counsel job really you know, uh, I knew that I wanted to learn about healthcare care uh, in a way I didn't have experience with. I didn't have a lot of business operations experience. Um, so that's what really drew me to getting a master's in health service administration. And, you know, as I did that um, experience and as I, you know, came out the other side with now a law degree and a master's, uh, I was trying to figure out a way to carve out a niche. And I think that when you can specialize and create your own niche, uh, you know, you create um, opportunities for yourself that other folks might not have. And this operational healthcare industry-specific master's degree, pairing that with this, you know, legal regulatory, uh, you know, JD, um, it was a, a natural fit for for compliance in the healthcare field because uh, it's. So such a heavy, heavily regulated industry uh, that, you know, is you really need, you know, legal skills a lot of the time in order to, you know, parse out what these regulations are saying or to understand, you know, maybe contractual obligations or partnerships or, uh, you know, some of these um, federal or state laws that, you know, are, are dictating what these providers can do. So, with that, uh, I found a, a nice home in healthcare in compliance that really married those two skill sets: that legal regulatory with that uh, industry operational experience.
0: I really like that idea of like building a brand. That's that's basically that's kind of what you were saying is that that idea of like carving a niche out and building a brand that that puts you out there. Because I think one of the things that we often think about especially when we are in law school is, oh my God, how am I going to make my grades look so shiny that like somebody, somebody will see me, but it, it also can be, how do you set up your persona to be, I am the person that you want. And that's that, I think that's brilliant personally. So brava to you is, is, is what I say. Um, And so I guess, My next question for you then is, is it dovetails really nicely into what you were talking about this idea that like healthcare compliance specifically is very, very regulated. Would you, if there was a way that you could give me like a short elevator pitch of what healthcare compliance is, because it could mean a million different things to a million different people, but what is your concept, your idea of healthcare compliance?
1: Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Uh, I think what makes healthcare care uh, so difficult in the United States is that we have frameworks upon frameworks of laws and rules. We have, you know, uh, federal regulations, federal laws, state regulations, state laws. We have licensing boards. We have uh you know, quasi-private organizations, accreditation organizations. Uh, We have industry bodies there. It's just such a massive, you know, multi-trillion dollar industry. um, And everyone wants a piece of the pie, everyone's fighting it out. And, you know, with all of these, you know, different frameworks, these different rules, these different laws, it's massively complex. You know, anyone who's, you know, unfamiliar with their explanation of benefits they receive, you know, from their health plan, uh, or, you know, you get a service and you you see all of these charges and um, pages of uh, privacy notices and explainers and things like that. It, it's a wildly complex uh, healthcare system we have in the United States. And I think where, you know, compliance comes in is, is we try to make sense of it. We partner with, uh, providers or industry groups or, um, you know, other professionals to help them sort out and understand, uh, you know, how they can comply with the law, understand how they can run their business, serve their patients, uh, achieve their goals in a way that, you know, is, um, you know, in line with, uh, whatever authorities, whatever laws or rules are, you know, in place. And so, you know, it really, you have to take a, a broader view and with compliance in many ways, because of uh, many of the operational challenges uh, that you get with your business partners and with those legal regulatory challenges and in, in terms of, you know, those uh,
0: frameworks in place. I think it made more sense to me. I think, I think it's funny because, um, you know, we think about our job in, in very um, siloed ways. I think specifically when I, th- when I think about in my own experience of like learning by doing, especially in healthcare compliance is, is this idea that it is really siloed because sometimes it's okay, I'm working in compliance, but I'm also, you know, working on regulatory changes and making sense or making sure that centers that we're working with are, are seeing that or or providers are... Our understanding that there's like a new licensure change or whatever it is. I really liked what you said about how there's so much going on. And then at the same time, everybody wants in on what's going on, but then that's what requires us to have all those, I, I guess you could say like regulatory firewalls up. And it's literally saying in order to pass through that, the, the job of compliance is to make sure that it, it makes sense. And so- Thank you for thank you for distilling that because I think I don't I don't know if I could have answered that question. So I think I put you on the spot a little bit. Um as a follow-up to that, because you were you were basically getting at this, but if you wouldn't mind kind of explaining this idea of how do you use law skills that you've learned and law skills that you have, and how do you use them maybe in the work that you do every day?
1: Yeah, sure thing. Uh so um I think to to back up, there are many different kinds of compliance. Uh, there's, a, there's a home for you if you're a data person, or if you're a, a legal person, or if you're uh, uh, someone who likes the operations and, you know, likes the, uh, the leadership aspect. And, you know, with that, though, the, there are rules in place for all of these areas, uh, whether it's it's billing or physician contracting or patient uh, privacy rights. There are all these different kinds of areas and they all have uh, their own specific rules and their own um, requirements. And so with the legal aspect, um, a big part of my job is diving through regulations, whether that is reading over new rules by the Centers for Medicare and Med- Medicaid Services, CMS, uh, new regulations, whether it's a new federal law that's come into place, uh, whether it's state licensing guidelines around nurse practitioners, and uh, or whether it's uh, billing and coding and making sure that, you know, we bill our psychologists, um, you know, with the proper code and, uh, you know, anyone who works under them has the right you know, supervision. Um, there are all kinds of, of rules in place, and I think where compliance professionals really add a lot of value is when there aren't necessarily rules in place. Um, we have all these frameworks and systems and rules, but uh, I don't think we should assume that in healthcare there is, a, you know, a cohesive system, you know, or, or, or thoughtfulness to it. You know, it's patchwork over time, and there are so many different levels. So. Oftentimes we have conflict between maybe state and federal rules or uh, between regulatory guidance. Uh, And then sometimes we just have to make it up on the spot because we need something in place. And there's just a big old gap and people look to compliance, you know, for an answer here. And we have to, you know, that's where we use those legal skills to say, well, based on the way, based on the way this other regulatory body you know, decided this issue or based on this kind of guidance. This is a parallel solution, you know, we can apply here. You, you have to use those kinds of, um, you know, critical thinking skills. And, and as well, uh, I think the other aspect is a big part of compliance is, is communicating this information out to folks in that education is one of the seven core you know, areas of an effective compliance program. And with that, you know, that's, that's what we're expected to do is take complex information and be able to synthesize it in, you know, to a form that we can easily communicate, you know, to our stakeholders, you know, make sure that, you know, doctors understand Uh, you know, how they're billing or to uh, make sure that patients understand their rights when it comes to accessing their medical records. This is complex information. And, you know, if it's hard to explain, um, you know, that's healthcare. And so being able to uh, put that information in a way that, uh, you know, folks can can digest it and work with it. And especially in compliance, working with those business leaders and those operational folks and those clinical providers, um, you know, to be able to take the complexity off their plate because, you know, they're trying to treat patients. They have, you know, higher aims in in their minds. And it, it's an important aim as well is, you know, they want to follow the rules, you um, but, you know, they don't want to be doing this kind of administrative work. They want to be told, uh, this is how we comply with the law. Let's move forward.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think the the one thing that I'm hearing a lot is part of, part of the idea of compliance is making sure that we are being proactive and making sure that things aren't, that we're not letting we're not letting the smoke turn into a fire. That it's just it's seeing it and making sure that 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 gets taken care of. But what what do you do when it's exploded and it's on fire? And what is what is compliance's job when what happens there when we have a problem and we need to fix that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think that compliance is a pretty broad kind of category, and and different organizations uh you know, have different ideas of, of what the role of compliance is. And I think this gets to the question of what is the role? And, you know, in this kind of uh, hypothetical where, you know, we have some fires to put out, I often find that, you know, these are all hands-on-deck situations. And there are differences between legal and compliance. Uh, and we have different responsibilities versus clinical. We need to work with you know, lots of different folks. We're not necessarily financial experts or clinical experts or, you know, uh, we're often legal generalists. And so I often find that uh, compliance is a, you know, in these kinds of situations, you know, we coordinate, uh, you know, maybe we play call, uh, we work on the education, you know, to folks, we produce uh, materials and resources uh, based on the expertise uh, of our partners, and whether that's in finance or tech, or you know, on the clinical side, or in legal, and and we we lead, and we really try to come up with solutions that um, you know uh, takes all of those perspectives you know into account, so that you know we can achieve our business goal or you know our clinical goal or serve the patient or whatever, you know, uh however things are, you know, whatever the goal is in in with your healthcare business.
0: Yeah, it's it's just the coordination and the the uh, the play calling. I liked way I liked how you said that. And I guess because we're 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 getting close to hitting time, I have one more question for you. And I think this, if anything, this is probably just a fun personal question for you. But how do you feel having a legal background or or a legal a formal legal education? How has that set you up to be working in the compliance field?
1: Yeah, I think that's um, you know, I think that I have a special background in that, you know, again, mixing that master's with a law degree. That's folks look at me and they know that, oh, I can read contracts, I can sort through. Uh, confusing or dense regulations. They know I'm going to be able to find government resources uh, if we need to. And then also with, you know, the masters, they know that I can be a part of a team. I can look at data. I can handle a spreadsheet, you know, these kinds of skills. And so with that, I think that the, the law degree gets me into the, uh, into, you know, it opens doors. Um, you know, there's a skill set there that, you know, people are assured that I can write and research uh, and that I'll be able to do a thorough job. And any position I've been in, you know, really it requires those kinds of skills. And, you know, when I've been able to pair that with some of this, you know, industry-specific education uh, and, you know, that kind of experience, I felt that, you uh, at a certain point in my career, once I had a few years of compliance experience, did then the the hiring opportunities and uh, professional opportunities really just exploded. Um, I was, a, you know, getting hit up by recruiters, and uh, suddenly I'm very qualified for for a lot of roles, and um, you know, it also opens pathways. Uh, you know, so that if I wanted to go into a purely legal career, I could. If I wanted to go work for government, I could. If I want to go into compliance leadership, the the legal education is, uh, I think it's a generalist education and skill set that gives you those skills I use every single day. Having a legal education is open doors for me uh, that it, I didn't really necessarily think possible. I never thought I'd be working in compliance. I never thought I'd be working with clinicians and, you know, doing the kind of uh, work I'm doing. I get to work with uh, folks from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of experiences, all kinds of skill sets, whether, you know, it's financial folks or tech folks or, uh, you know, clinicians or researchers, I've gotten to work with a lot of interesting people. And uh, as someone, you know, who I think is a people person who kind of shuns uh, some of that traditional courtroom um, competitive adversarial nature of the courtroom and some of these other stereotypes you see in law school. You know, I was never a gunner. I was never a competitive person, in, in, in some of those ways, I preferred collaboration and project work, and uh, you know, uh, group input. And so that's why one thing I really love about compliance is you get to be a member of the team. You are a business partner with um, you know skills and expertise where. Jack of all trades, master of none. We get called on to answer questions that no one knows, uh, but we figure it out. And it's a very rewarding experience and it is something different every day. And so uh, I think that folks that, you know, have some of those personality traits, uh, you know, you see a lot of these folks in compliance. And so it's a great field for folks who want to, you know, uh, do a different kind of work with those legal skills. And then also, you know, there's a better work-life balance as well. You know, you're not necessarily spending, you know, late night hours preparing for trial or, uh, you know, finishing motions or, you know, combing through discovery. Um, and I still get to read contracts, but I don't have to read that many contracts.
0: <laughs> the the memos get a little bit shorter too. They're, they're not the 500 page memos that, that they, they want you to do. Um, wow. it's more just like, Oh, you have a question about this, this one tiny policy you want to make. <laughs> here you go. Here's three pages for you. Ryan, thank you for collaborating with me today. I really, I really had a good time learning more about you just personally, but also professionally. And, um, I, I, like I said before, I'm really grateful for you to be here with me. So at the time of this recording, it will be Thanksgiving in two days. So I hope you have a really great holiday and thanks for just taking the time to sit with me.
1: Sure thing. Thanks for having me, Andy. I thought this was a great experience. And, uh, you know, as with most folks who've gone to law school, uh, you know, we sure know how to talk about ourselves.
0: Darn right. Darn right. That's all from us here at The Podvocate. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. Visit our website at thepodvocate.com for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communications at Loyola University, Chicago. Our editors-in-chief are Christy Paredes, and Marissa Polowitz. Our associate editors are NECA Ugu, Marcus McNeil, Andy Vandenbush, and Casey Callahan. Special thanks to Professor John Dane and Dean Stephen Russian for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. From Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this has been The Podvocate.